Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we have a very, very special guest. His name is Matt Rodak, and he's with Fund That Flip. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. Hey, Matt. So a little bit about Matt. Matt is actually the founder and CEO of Fund That Flip, and his company provides fast, affordable, and reliable bridge loans to experienced residential real estate investors. Uh, prior to Fund That Flip, Matt held leadership roles in sales and marketing and technology development for a large commercial risk management firm. Uh, he's also dabbled in real estate on the side, which is awesome, a good tie-in for today. And after being able to uh, find or unable to find a reliable lender for his projects, Matt created Fund That Flip in order to provide a better experience for real estate investors. Uh, the company has built proprietary software or technology to make the borrowing experience first uh, first class from loan application all the way through payoff. Uh, they have a divorce, diverse source of capital, which includes their online crowdfunding platform institutional investors and lines of credit. Uh, this allows them to match borrowers unique needs for the right capital. And over the last three years, Matt has scaled fund that flip from just an idea to a 25 person company with an office in New York city and Cleveland and are now closing millions of dollars in loans each month. Wow. Awesome. Boom. Well, well, wow. Matt, that's incredible. That's incredible. Thanks so for the, uh, so we know you're in uh, New York City today. Why why'd you choose Cleveland for the second office? Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, it's it's yeah. funny kind of how these things happen, but one of our very first hires um, on the business development side after we raised some money, had a, had a good background, was introduced through a friend, um, was kind of looking for to, to do something else, and, and we brought him on board, and he was doing a lot of different things for us. He was kind of sales guy. He was our underwriter. He was our loan coordinator. Um, and as the business grew, it was like, well, we need to kind of break these three jobs into three different jobs. Um, and then the question was like, well, where do we hire these people? Um, and we kind of, I never forget, we had the whiteboard up and we were circling, you know, New York and pros and cons of New York and the Carolinas and pros and cons of the Carolinas. And I was like, well, what about Ohio? Like we already have someone there that's going to be working closely with these people. And, uh, it was just kind of, uh, made a lot of sense. <clears throat> Ah, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and when we start out, so you, you start investing in uh, real estate and we talked a little bit offline and that was in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And is that correct? Providence? Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And from there, you just found that you couldn't find a lender. And just like every savvy entrepreneur does, you found a way to fill that void. So talk to us a little bit about that. What was the struggle you were having and what have you done to now correct that for other investors? Yeah, so this was 2011, 2012, right? So credit credit was still kind of tight, right? We were still coming out of the, the housing crisis um, and uh, wanted to get into real estate ever since I was kind of a teenager. So finally kind of get to a point in my career where I had some, some cash and um, started looking to buy properties around Providence, Rhode Island and got introduced to, at that time, the hard money lending scene, if you will. Um, and there was two guys in Rhode Island that did most of the business and the kind of going rate was four points, 14% interest. And like you paid them that and like, that was it. Like if you wanted like to do business in real, in, in Rhode Island, like you kind of had to go through these guys, banks weren't lending, um, or come up, you know, obviously with all the cash yourself. 
So I was like, this is kind of crazy, 18% interest rate, even higher if you, annual, you know, annualize the points. Um, and at the same time, I was doing some investing on uh, Prosper and Lending Club, right? Again, back in 2012, these peer-to-peer -peer sites were still pretty new. And I was getting a 10% return on unsecured consumer credit, right? So if my investment there decided he didn't want to pay me back, like that went to zero. There was no collateral. So I was scratching my head saying like, I'm getting a 10% return on unsecured consumer credit, but I'm paying 18% interest for the first lien, right? Asset backed mortgage, like something's out of whack in this market. Like what are the differences, right? And I kind of boiled it down. It was like, like the reason that, you know, these, these credit sites, these consumer credit sites work is because they're standardized data, um, right? There's, there's transparency around like how the underwriting happens. And I thought, well, like, we can do this for real estate, right? And there's clearly an appetite for, for yield on the investor side because these guys are funding billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars of loans at the time. And there's clearly a need on the real estate side. Um, you know, so, so my business, my entrepreneur kind of like desire to get out of corporate America, at that kind of point shifted from, you know, go be a real estate operator to like go build this lending company. Um, and that kind of excited me more than buying real estate. And I just thought I could build a, a bigger business that had a lot of the things that I'm also interested in technology, uh, lending, you know, real estate, kind of the finance piece of it. So um, that was kind of really it. I bought the domain back in 2012, actually. Uh, you can see that from our site. Um, I, I found an old YouTube video of me pitching the idea back in 2012, which is kind of awesome to watch. <laughs> um, we didn't actually fund our first loan until 2015. So that's like our first podcast or said they're horrible. Yeah. To watch. It's <laughs> like, oh, that, that didn't happen. Yeah. But it, uh, it is, it is cool to kind of see like, you know, 2012 to 2018, um, you know, from idea to kind of where we're at today and everything that had to, to go right to kind of get there. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been fun. Well, what an incredible epiphany to have. You start in the investing space, which is where we're all at. We all started there at some point, but then you have this like light bulb going off in your head that, hey, I can fund these deals. I can be the money man and make it easier or more plentiful for other investors to have access to funding. And you said a key word too, you said, this is what excited me. So all the investors and everybody that's listening out there, listen to that. It excited him. It, it's what got him up in the morning. This is what drove him to create an amazing business. So kudos to you for following that feeling. And you talked about scale, right? And, and it's funny because we're always thinking of scale from a real estate investing perspective. And, mm -hmm. you know, you start with your first house and, you know, takes you a year when it should have took three months and then next year maybe you do two or three houses and then you, you finally start that scale just like you did there so talk to us about your first funding deal like how, how did you take the what was the point that you were like okay it's time to do this and who was that customer that that you were able to partner up with to provide that service yeah that's a that's a great question it's it's one of those things and for our business it's like uh and for, i think for a lot of businesses it's a chicken or the egg problem right so like in order to go raise money for a deal, like investors want to like see the deal that they're funding. And in order to be able to fund someone, you've got to have the capital to like actually fund it. So, um, you know, we, we did, I, we did a lot of work on just like talking to investors and friends and family and networks and networks of networks. And finally what I did is I put together kind of a, a pro forma of a deal that we thought we were going to do. And I went around and I got at least, 
three times more commitments than I knew I would need to fund the deal because I knew two thirds of them would flake out um, and said, Hey, if I find a deal that looks like this, like, can I count you in for 10 grand or 20 grand or 30 grand or, or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you can do. Uh, and I got enough yeses to the point where I was like, all right, I feel confident now that if I go and sell a borrower on our ability to deliver, like we'll actually be able to deliver. Um, and that's what we did. And, and kind of the first deal came in through our network. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in networking and maybe we can talk a little bit about that because even how we got to meet each other, I think is kind of a funny story. Um, but I had networked with, uh, with Jay Scott, who's kind of a big personality on bigger pockets and Ankit Dougal, who's kind of a big personality in New Jersey and also bigger pockets at the time. And I forget which one, but one of those guys made an introduce, introduction to a guy named Jonathan, who's also a bigger pockets guy who was flipping a house in Trumbull, Connecticut. Um, and Jonathan could get comfortable with us because we had these other guys kind of on board and said, you know what, let's give these guys a shot. And, and I think our first loan was $125,000. Uh, we were able to raise that money kind of through that extended network. And then we had a real deal that we could put up on the website. Um, and then kind of things just started to snowball from there. So like the, our first four loans were like very painful. We didn't know what we were doing. Like raising the money was kind of, you know, very like, wasn't wasn't there right um but you know you start to build up enough traction and then the, the fifth loan gets a little bit easier the sixth loan gets a little easier uh you know by the tenth loan you know people are like this is real and they're starting to get paid interest so their twenty thousand dollar investment turns into a hundred thousand dollars kind of on the platform and then it just kind of kind of goes from there to the point where you know we launched six deals yesterday we raised nine hundred and seventy thousand dollars in um probably inside of three hours um, wow. right. So like at some point, right, the snowball just starts rolling down the hill and we've got, you know, we've got now more investors on the platform than we can find high quality deals, which is a good problem to have. And these things just kind of fund themselves. Um, which if you think about kind of where we started is bizarre, right? We've raised almost a hundred million dollars online, um, largely from people that we don't know or don't know us. Um, but like, again, like the transparency and the technology and, and just the track record, you know, facilitates that trust. Um, you know, that, that, that can happen, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. What an awesome story. Just the way you scaled from, I mean, it really sounds familiar for any, uh, any flipper out there, any investor out there, you start with one and you keep on going until it snowballs and you realize I know what I'm doing and now I can scale my business. So, wow. And you're right about overraising. You overraise yes. for the fact that people have life events. There's a million people who get excited based on the concept and then you hit them where, you know, they, maybe it wasn't the right time. So if you're, if you're raising funds out there, you, it's okay to, overraise because you will find that it will save you in the back end from having to scramble when you get into the close of a deal. And yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about networking and overraising because a lot of what Jason and I do in the multifamily aspect um, is syndication. So, and with syndication, you have to network. So let's talk about uh, like networking and using networking to fund your, fund your flips. Maybe and, what, what, what have you found that's worked well? And yeah. what are some points that, that you see other networkers uh, not have success with? Yeah, so I think the biggest shifting in my mindset, I think this really happened after I started the company was, um, I think a lot of people network for like, what can you do for me now? Um, which, I think, which I think is kind of like the wrong way to think about building a network, right? So I, I think in terms of like, do I wanna be working or do I have the opportunity to work with this person the next 10 years? Right. So like I set a 10 year horizon on like when I meet someone of like, 
in the next 10 years, will this person have the aptitude or do, do they have the network or do they, have, are they just the type of person that like, I want to do something with, right? So the answer to that question is yes. Then it's like, how can we, how can we add value kind of today to one another? And that just may be bouncing ideas off of each other, grabbing coffee, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a great example of this is now how we met is I met Joe Fairless, uh, which is we met at his conference last month. I met Joe four years ago, right when I was starting my company. I had just left my, my corporate job. He had just left his marketing kind of job. He didn't have, own any real estate. I hadn't funded any deals. Uh, and we met for coffee and we met through another connection that neither one of us knew that well, but we were talking about what we were doing and she kind of put the pieces together and said, hey, you guys should get together. You're both in real estate. So we met in the East Village. Uh, we had a coffee. Joe was really sick, actually. Um, and we just talked about what we were up to. And, and you know, he's like, I think I'm going to start this podcast. And I was like, I think I'm going to start this company. Uh, like, let's keep in touch. Like, it's kind of cool. Uh, so I was, I was podcast guest number seven, I think, for Joe, wow. Fairless, Joe Fairless. Yeah. Uh, and that relationship has grown over the years. We sponsor his podcast. Uh, we've gone to his conference. He's obviously had much better guests than me since then, you know. Um, stop. everybody's everybody's it's an amazing conference if you're there it's it's yeah. incredible so yes yeah. so so like like you never know right and like uh, you know four years later we're good friends and we've done business together but never like we probably thought we would like when the when you know when the conversation started and and you know i'm sure we'll be doing other deals you know for the rest of our lives together just because of a connection that someone made and yep. joe and i's kind of mindset of like let's just agree that we want to keep in touch um who knows what happens, but like, right. Let's just keep, let's just, let's just do that. Right. And I think that's the mentality that you have to have if you're going to network is not only the long horizon piece, but also, you know, you're not networking. Like for me, I wasn't just networking with Joe. I was networking with Joe's network. Right. And you know, I think that's the other thing people forget is like, whether I do business ever with Joe or Joe's ever business with me, like I'm connected and I can help Joe syndicate his deals because I'm talking to investors that, aren't you know just invested in fix and flip that but they want to take equity positions in large apartment buildings so like i can now make that connection because like i can vouch for joe that joe's going to be a good guy right and vice versa he's making introductions to people that are in the flipping world and his cincinnati you know meetup and a lot of other things so like you're networking with the person's network but you're, you're you've got to take a very i think long time horizon to get the payback and, and be willing to make that investment for this stuff to to really work <clears throat> Yeah, it's amazing that it's it's about surrounding yourself with with powerful like-minded individuals who have the same the same purpose uh, of creating a better life and creating a better atmosphere around them. So yeah, so true. Thank you for that. And if, if you look at how you've both excelled, I mean, so yeah. in episode seven, I think Joe's on uh, like seventeen thousand or somewhere yeah. somewhere. I know he's about fifteen hundred yeah. episodes down. It's, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> and to see how far you both come, kind of together. And as you said, with the networking piece, I mean, the reason why, and Jason and I actually went through Matt's process, and this is for everybody that's listening. We went through Matt's process, and it is amazing. We're about to do one of our first deals with Matt, and we're super excited because his process is easy. It's, it's tailored to the investor's needs. And the reason why I even thought to call you is because you had a little blurb on Joe's uh, website saying sponsored by fund that flip. I was like, well, oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. If, I was like, if Joe says they're, these guys are good, then <laughs> yep. they must be good. Cause Joe doesn't even do flips. He doesn't yeah. do flips. Yeah, right. He's, uh, right. he, he does large apartment buildings. So right. I'm like, well, 
if he's willing to be in the flip industry and like say these guys are worth like, putting on their website, then it mu they must be good. So that's, I mean, that's the key to networking yeah, is that it. you never know who you're going to meet. And so looking at your business today and we're, and we're fast forwarding, what, yes. what is now, what is something you're focusing on? You built this team around you. And so you, you're gotten away to, from probably running around, having to, having to source everything yourself. How, how have you created the successful team for people that are looking to, to build out their real estate team, whether it's on the flipping side or another space? Yeah, I think team team is something that uh, is so so important. I think one of, one of the things that one of the frameworks that I'm really using now, and I think in in some regard I've always used, I just didn't realize I was using it. That I'll share is like I read this recently. It's it's the idea of um, breaking things into hands on, eyes on, and mind on. Right. So, <clears throat> what do you have to have your hands on to really move the, the business forward? What do you have to have your eyes on from more of like a got to check in with my GC, but my GC is good, but just need to, you know, check in and make sure things are going well. And then mind on where, what's going to come into either the hands on or the eyes on kind of piece of your business in the next 30, 60, 90, 180 days out that you're kind of starting to formulate, right? Some ideas on. So I think, you know, early on when you're, when you're on this in your own and, and kind of the framework is like anything that you have your hands on, you should be able to move forward in a big way in a two week period and then move on to something else with hands on. Right. So you want to, you want to set up two week sprints of hands on stuff. And that's like where 80% of your time is on. Um, Cause that's a long enough period of time that you can actually make real progress, but not so long that you're going to neglect other things that have to happen. Right. So I think, oh, great. You no, know, you know, when you're, when you're starting a business, there's always going to be more to do than time to do it in. And I think what I, what a lot, where a lot of people miss the mark is they do, uh, they do a lot of things either poorly or half done or, you know, and the ball never like advances. Right. So like where I spend all of my time hands on now is literally hiring people and like training people. Cool. Uh, right. And where my, where my eyes are now is because I have a great team around me is checking in with John who runs our business development team or checking in with Steven who runs our underwriting team and just making sure that like things are moving in the right direction. But like all of my time now is like, is really people, right? And and that's kind of like a hard thing for me to do and something that I've had to learn to do because I've always been hands into the business and building the business and you know doing the business development or doing the underwriting or, or doing the raising of the capital or whatever the what it is. Um, and I think the only the only way you get to that from building a team is like you're super focused on what is the thing that I really have to do for the next two weeks that's really going to make a difference, right? So like right. when it was just me early on, I was like, I got to go raise this money. That's all I did for two weeks, right? Nothing, nothing else happened in the business for two weeks. It's like, all right, I got the money now. Like, what do I need to do? I need to go get a deal. So like for two weeks, that's all you do. And that's hard to do because it feels like you're leaving so many other things on the side. But I think that's sure. the only way you actually get to a point where Eventually, that's like, all right, what do I need to do? I need to go hire someone that can go get the deals so I don't have to get the deals anymore and I can focus on other things, right? So, like, um, I think that that becomes, you know, super important in terms of, like, growing a business and growing a team and, and then kind of instilling in your team, like, the same way. Like, hey, where should their hands be? Where should their eyes be? Where should their kind of mind be so that, you know, they're able to scale themselves up as well? Who was your first hire and why? Yeah. So, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting question. So I, I came with the idea very much by myself and I worked the thing probably for close to a year by myself, just workshopping it. And there's some, uh, 
legislative things that passed that actually made what I wanted to do possible around the same time in 2013. Um, so I, I brought on advisors first. Um, and one of the advisors that I brought on, we kind of had an agreement of like, if this turns into something real, like he wanted to join the team full time. Um, so Steven, our COO, um, kind of is also a co-founder now at this point. Um, and I think what you look for is, is someone that shares, at least what I, what I cared about was someone that shares values, right? Like hard work and building things and, you know, making money. I think that's an okay, like way to be motivated. Um, but like, what do we, like, what do we share value wise, but like what gaps can he close or she close for me that I don't have? Right. Like, uh, it could be experience. It could be communication style. It could be a network. Um, you know, and, and I think all of our hires have had that to some regard, right? You're starting to, you, try, you want to look at your weaknesses and be honest with your weaknesses. If you don't know what your weaknesses are, think about like, what do you not like to do in your business? Um, and it's probably because it's a weakness and start hiring people that like to do those kind of things. Um, cause they're probably good at it. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Like that, everything you just said with key aspects of finding great partners and great employees. So thank you for that. Everything. I mean, I, I know I say this a lot to our listeners, but seriously rewind or like put the toggle back a few and re-listen to everything that Matt just said about hiring people, finding the right partner. I mean, it's all key information. That's what, that's how you expand your business. Everything he just said right there. And so how does a real estate investor now coming in, into your space? Now you have your team set up, you have your system set up what, what's some guidelines that you give to a real estate investor who's looking to maybe either get themselves off the ground or just really scale their business. What, what do you see as a, 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 we'll say a learning process that, that real estate investors go through or, or what are steps they can just be super sync prepared to really take this through the process? Yeah. So I, our, our products and services are really designed for, you know, the investor that's, that's done a few of these already has two or three under their belt. They've likely used their own cash, family, friends. Um, you know, they have teams and pro some processes in place. They've probably made some mistakes and have learned, but we're really looking, you know, where we fit in best is really helping that person then scale. Right. So, um, you know, they've done the deals, they know how to find the deals they know how to manage them. They know how to get out of them. Um, but they spend half of their time, you know, raising capital from that network of private investors, or they've got bank financing or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, our, our products really tailored to say, Hey, like you're good at finding properties, fixing them up, selling them, focus all of your time on that and find more of them. Like we handle the capital side of it. Um, you know, we're going to be the reliable partner for you to count on, you know, here's our box. As long as it fits into this box, like we're going to fund it. Like it kind of, it kind of takes that uncertainty out of, you know, the real estate investing world of like, how am I going to get to capital? Like that's a big question mark. Like that you shouldn't have that question mark unless you want to be in the capital raising business, which I would argue most investors that are flipping houses should not be in the capital raising business. They should be in the acquisitions and dispositions business. Cause that's where all the money, that's where the money's made. The money's not made in raising capital. Um, you know, so like, that's kind of where we focus is, you know, we're not a great market if you're trying to get your first deal done or maybe your second deal, just, just speaking candidly. Um, I think if you are in that place, the, the best place to go to raise capital are people that you already have a relationship with, people that you already have trust built with, 
um, where you can leverage previous success in a job or something else and kind of get someone to take a chance on you. Um, and what I would say about that too is like, don't, don't be so worried about optimizing for returns on your first couple deals. Like give the investor more return, right? Give, you know, give your partner, your contractor partners more upside in the deal. Your first deal is not, in my opinion, to like hit the home run and like be able to quit your day job. Your first deal is to learn, right? And build a network and show proof of concept, if you will. Um, so you can leverage that experience and that, that network and that success into the second deal and the third deal so you can actually get, get to scale. Um, and I think that's where a lot of, you know, early stage investors like can't get past from zero to one is cause like they're upset that the investor wants this 70, you know, 70% of the upside is like, who cares? Right. Like, like, like give it to them, get the deal done. Like what's the difference really between 60 and 70 or whatever you want? Like that doesn't matter. Right. Like, like what matters is like getting that first deal done and, and having the track record. Um, and, and I think that's the other thing. If, if you're, if you're getting into this business because you need a quick paycheck, um, you're, you're going to find nothing but disappointment in this business. Um, you know, again, like you need to be thinking in 10 and 20 year increments, if you are going to venture into the, the real estate investing world. Um, and if you have that mindset, it's, it's a lot easier to, 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 to make those trades on the first deal because you know, it's, it's just a stepping stone to a bigger, a bigger journey. That's awesome. I love, yeah. I love your mindset. And we'll stick in the mindset yeah. realm there is that when, when looking at you scaling your business and be able to grow so rapidly or other people like Joe, what, what, what's some common themes you see that would be helpful for real estate investors who are, who are just starting out and, and trying to figure out how, how do they create the sustainable business? What's, what's something that, that's a hurdle you see for people? Yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck in the like what do I want like what do I want and um, when you're building a business it's about figuring out what other people want and then figuring out how to get them what they want right so like from our investors perspective like they want a fair risk adjusted return that's protected you know by the asset when I say investors the people that lend on our platform right so like we have a very good understanding of what they want which informs how we underwrite and what products we take to them from a, from a loan perspective. Right. So same thing. What does a borrower want? Yeah. They're going to tell you they want low rates and they want, you know, no fees and a lot of other things, but what they really want is like reliability and, and speed and transparency and communication. And like, yeah, the rates important, but like there's a lot of other things that like can blow a deal up a lot faster than a 11% rate versus a 10% rate. Right. Like if that's blowing your deal up, like it's probably not a good deal. Um, and same with employees, like what do they want? Right. Like most people want more than just a paycheck. Right. So like figuring that out and, and your job as the entrepreneur is to connect all of those dots and help people get what they want or show them a path to how they get what they want. And by the virtue of you doing that, like you end up getting kind of what you want, right. If you're, if everyone's interests are aligned. So like, I think that's the big thing is it's like, well, I want to do this. Like, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Like the market, the market tells you like what matters and like what you can do, like listen to the market and then go figure out like what the market wants. When I say market, like those are just different people right in the market and then like figure out a way to give it to them. <clears throat> Boom. So basically figure out a way to add value to other people's lives and you will have value added to yours. Yes. Said much simpler. <laughs> ah, no, I love it. And and it's, it's, <laughs> perfect. No, everything you yeah. said is just, it's such a great 
giving value add mindset. And that's what we're all about here. It's like, how can we add value to you? And you have to think of a lender as part of your team too. Exactly. So if you're looking to flip properties and, and you're worried about 10 to 11% and the 10% says they're going to close in you know 10 days and all of a sudden you can't get them on the phone and you're at the nine and a half day and you don't know what to do. And, and then all of a sudden you, you don't get you know your draws as you're expected or you have 11%, they pick up the phone every time, they're timely, they're able to, they have a process that keep, just the, the peace of mind right there will, will save you uh, probably years of your life. So <laughs> where do you see fund this flip going I fund that flip going and where, where does this evolve to you've grown so much in, in a couple of years here where's the next five years take you yeah so I mean I think and, and our name somewhat suggests this is like we're, we're pretty committed to staying focused on the residential you know one to four family space and I think there's a lot of value around being specialists um, and maybe I'll just I'll work in another bit of what's in my head like I think a lot of people they want to start a business specifically real estate. Like they, they tend to chase the shiniest object. Like, Oh, this new deal just came in from this wholesaler and like they, they think they're going to do it. And it's like, but it's not what you, yeah, it's not what you do. It's not like, you don't, you don't, it's outside of your market or that's outside of your asset class. Or that's outside of the plan that you put in place. Um, you know, and like, it's very tempting, trust me. Cause like we have built this business and we could do a lot of things with it. Um, but I think the less focus you have, the more value you can add to the people that are, you know, you're trying to serve at your core. So like <clears throat> we're very committed to the one to four family space and we're, we're a lender, right? So we, you know, our primary objective over the next couple of years is to go, you know, build a, a business that's originating a billion dollars worth of loans every year. Awesome. Um, you know, so that's kind of the goal, but we also see, you know, the market that we play in, um, if you think about what a, a, a real estate investor on the residential side has to do, they have to, they have to find properties. They have to analyze properties. They have to put offers in on those properties. If they get the offers accepted, then they have to, you know, acquire the property and finance the property and get property casualty insurance and title insurance and a lot of other things that happen at point of sale. And then they have to get a lot of supplies on site to fix the house up and manage contractors and then ultimately dispose of the asset to get paid the big vision, right. For our company is that we play in every part of that. Right. So if you're a real estate investor, you know, you wake up in the morning, you log on to fund that flip, you've got a dashboard of all your properties that are in place. You can easily analyze them with the tools that we've built. Um, you know, you can, uh, you can order your property casualty insurance, title insurance at the point of purchase. Like you can manage the contractors, you can order supplies all through kind of the platform and the app and manage your business there, which we think obviously makes our, our lending business more sticky. Um, but also creates more valuable and we can help our investors do more deals and that's good for us as well. So like we're working, we want to work up and down the value chain and we're already starting to implement some of this. So we have a, a new software out called Realizer, R-E-L-Y-Z-E-R.com. It's a mobile first application that, you know, investors can quickly analyze deals and figure out how much they should pay for the property based on a desired profit or um, another other, a number of other things you can solve for as well as like build detailed statements of work. The vision this year will be to start piping like off market properties in there from some NPL funds that we're working with. So like we want to build out this entire ecosystem that really brings value to the residential real estate investor um, where we primarily make money off of funding, funding projects. Okay. Go, go back. Cause you just <laughs> like, you're, you're talking my language. You just said something about creating a whole aspect around the construction area. That's a huge yeah. value add 
huge value add. So as soon as you get that, call <laughs> us. We'll beta test. Yeah, and sure. then we'll jump on. <laughs> but you think about it too. There's not there's nothing lost in between because the, the yourself, your company is already helping the uh, basically the real estate investor just vet their own deal for yes. what you're going to do on the back end. So it almost quickens that process. So yeah, that's an amazing idea. I mean, I just, I'll be shocked and excited to see it when it happens because it's going to be an awesome step for everybody. Thanks, man. So I have yeah. a really important question for you. You are stuck in a cavern with five Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> what do I do? I have no like, I have no weapons. It's just myself. I'm running. No, like, What kind of weapon would you <laughs> conjure up? What, what would you do? I think I'd want like a, I think I'd like want a rocket launcher or something like something that allows me to fight back with you know, have, having to get too too close. <laughs> Firepower. <laughs> or maybe just like a big piece of meat, right? You could just throw throw over there and just back to and sneak out, right? Yeah, that's good. I like it. You could hang the piece of meat up with their small arms; they couldn't get yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah so. right, right. <laughs> So now we've taken you way off course. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll slowly bring ourselves back into. So how, how do you start your day? Do you have a morning routine? Yeah, so um, I guess by the time I get in the office, I, I have an hour blocked off um, every every morning or every, every Monday morning, which is planned for the week, right? So kind of lay out the week and time block around, you know, again, hands on, eyes on, mind on. Um, <clears throat> what are the things that I need to move forward this week that are most most important and make sure that time is blocked off on my calendar to get those things done. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of the rest of it is just being available for the team to, to help them move their hands-on, you know, projects forward. So do a lot of calls, do a lot of Skype meetings like this. Um, and, and then, as I said, whatever time's left, like I'm, I'm recruiting. So we've got, we've got 10 interviews coming in this week for like four positions that we're hiring. So like most of awesome. my time these days is like, interviewing people <laughs> that's incredible uh, yeah yeah what are what are some words you live by some words that i live by um maybe i'll give you our company values because i think they kind of started with me so we, we we codified our company values this year for the first time and we we built them around the word hustle um you know it's just this word that like kept coming back to me as i was thinking about things like we're not the smartest group. Like we don't have like the Ivy league education. We haven't raised a ton of money in terms of like growing our company, but like, damn it, if we can't hustle, right? Like, you know, like if we can't like, if we can't outwork it, right. So like each, each letter of hustle kind of stands for something else. So the H stands for hard work, right? So right at the top is like, we, we understand that like, if you want extraordinary results, like you have to put in extraordinary effort and like, it starts with just showing up and, and putting in a good effort. Uh, the U stands for unity. So, you know, we're in this together. Teamwork matters basically, right? Look to lift each other up. This isn't a competition between people internally. Like we're in this together. Um, the S stands for success, right? So we're not, we're not doing this to lose, right? Like we value winning and let's figure out a way to win whatever, whatever that means. Um, <clears throat> the T stands for transparency. So we share company financials on a monthly basis with all 25 employees. Um, and I think that's kind of a tone that gets set with how we handle customers, right? Let's be transparent. What works about this deal? What doesn't, uh, if a deal goes bad and lenders are in it, like what's gone bad, what did we miss? What are we doing to fi fix it? Right. So transparency, very important. Uh, L stands for learn every day. So we're very like challenge status quo, um, be creative, be curious, take chances and like learn. Right. And that's how, that's how everyone gets better. 
And then uh, the E in hustle is empathy, right? So I think it's very important that, you know, we always try to understand the other person's point of view. Um, doesn't mean we have to agree with it, but like we should try to understand it um, and then try to, you know, exceed, exceed expectations based on whatever that, that person's point of view happens to be. So, you, you know, we, we've asked that question a lot. And it's the first time we've heard someone actually say, well, well, let's talk about the values of my company because they align with myself. And that's, that's amazing. And I would put out there to all the listeners is that this is a challenge for you are the business you're building. Do the values you have in that business also align with your values? And, and if not, how can you, how can you find that, that symbiotic approach? So yeah, I love that hustle. Cool. I, I remember it. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah. So for all of our listeners out there who want to get in contact with you or your team start funding your funding, their next flip, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, so, so definitely check out the website, uh, fundthatflip.com. Um, if you've got a deal you want us to look at, you can just email deals at fundthatflip.com. Um, and then I'm available, Matt, M-A-T-T, at fundthatflip.com. Incredible. Well, thank you so very, very much for all your value, Matt. That, this has been a great, great call. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Perfect. Well, this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to Matt Rodak for being on our show. And thank you to you all for listening. We are so grateful. You have a great day now. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.